This isn't for your eyes. Welcome to the Groovy Goodies Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mr. Reese Griffiths, and joined, as always, is Mr. David White. Hello. Uh, first and foremost, this episode is coming out a little later than we planned, mostly yeah. because we've already recorded it and we lost it. Well, I lost it. <laughs> I'll take ownership of that. I, uh, I didn't save and I closed my laptop and I went and reopened my laptop, everything froze and I lost everything. So. So this episode might seem a little bit slapdash because we did all this like yeah I mean like last when we first recorded it right I was like sort of sprinkling little facts and seasoning little Hellraiser facts throughout the episode you know like a fucking Guy Fieri taking everybody to Hellraiser Flavor Town <laughs> Flavor Town and you know Griff's reactions were like quite surprised because he didn't know some of these facts and so it was quite natural but now I'm gonna act yeah. surprised. Yeah, so every time Dave gives off, yeah. we, we can judge my acting skills. Plus, we've had like an extra three weeks now to, to research. <laughs> I actually wrote my notes down this time, so it could turn out better. It could. The film's not quite as fresh in my brain at the moment. Yeah. After I've just also watched two and three. Because in case you hadn't guessed, folks, we're doing Hellraiser today, and Hellraiser another day, and some other days. <laughs> Because Essentially, we're doing all the hell reasons. <laughs> we, we, yes, we're going to be covering Clive Barker. Yeah, like Clive Barker season. Um, but before we get into that, let's get all the little tittle tattle nonsense out of the way. And what have you been doing, Dave? Anything exciting? Not much. I've been playing shitloads of um, Divinity Original Sin 2. I started playing Bulletstorm last night as well. You played that? Yeah, I'm in the middle of playing Bulletstorm. Yeah. Um, for the third time. Oh, really? <laughs> That's not a testament to how good it is. I think you're playing it through the third time. This is the third time you started it and thinking, oh, shit, it is. <laughs> I finished it three times. Oh, let's go. Let's... <laughs> they gave it away with PSN. Yeah, that's why I started recently, playing it. Yeah. So I picked it up. But I played the remastered version on Xbox One and oh. the original version on 360. Okay. Um, but also in the sale recently, they had the Duke Nukem character pack. Oh, right, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't pay for the game, and the character pack's like a pound. No, nice, And it kind of gives me a reason to play it again, because yeah, I can yeah. play her as Duke Nukem. Yeah. And yeah, I was thinking I'm going to get loads of, like, new interesting scenes. Yeah. For it's basically the guy that does the Duke Nukem voiceover, <laughs> doing the Duke nu- Nukem voiceover, yeah. and whenever they refer to the other guy... Right. They keep all the dialogue the same, except for Duke Nukem's. <laughs> so when they were like, Grey, you piece of shit, yeah. I told you, my name's not Grey. <laughs> <I was just laughs> like, <"What?" laughs> That's so fucking lazy. 
friends. I don't know who you keep talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, given like the standard of writing in this game, anyway, what does you expect, really? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is kind of funny, but uh, yes, I picked up Divinity, but I haven't had a crack yet. Oh, the first one or the second? Yeah, because I was dirt cheap in the sale as well. Oh, fair enough. Um, Yeah, the first one's really good. The second one is fucking amazing. It's so good. I have to keep an eye on that. Um, what have I been up to? Working loads, loads of work, working busy, super busy. Um, anything interesting? Oh, I went to the Wang Doctor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, no more babies. I went, to go, I went and got an appointment and it's all around the houses and it was really weird. So you've had it done? Or? I've not done. Right. I had to drop my pants for the guy to have a rummage round. Oh, yeah. It's just the second time I've had a strange man fondling my nuts so yeah. far. Can't say it was particularly pleasant. <laughs> it's a bit strange. Did you ask about the first time? <laughs> the first time was something different, but that wasn't particularly pleasant either. But yeah, as in a doctor or something? Just... <laughs> Definitely a medical professional right, okay. on both instances. Right, okay. I'd like to make that perfectly clear. <laughs> medical professional, yeah. not sexual. It was not really clear. First time around. So good. yeah, that was that was interesting, and it was literally in and out it was yeah in okay yeah you've spoken to your wife about it yeah okay drop your pants let's have a look uh, <laughs> uh, so this is weird what do I do with my hands <laughs> you put them on his head <laughs> just stroke his head yeah. like, thanks that's really kind <laughs> I'm glad you're looking after my balls for me yeah. Uh, but yeah that was weird so we gotta go back to the snip at some point yeah. he's gonna go back in touch that was kind of exciting that was kind of interesting yeah, for those yeah. of you who haven't been out there and you know had a man fondly balls from a medical professional point of view but yeah outside of that is that okay. a recommendation <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't say it was overly pleasant no it, it was unpleasant okay. I think I'm digging a hole yeah maybe yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, there was nothing sexual about it yeah it wasn't an unpleasant experience. It wasn't, it wasn't uncomfortable. He wasn't <laughs> like honking on my balls, making sure they're like they were. But, uh, yeah, no, he's having a good rummage round, trying to find the tubes ready for cutting. Yeah. So there it is. Great. Yeah. Amazing. Cheers, pal. There's the other one. Awesome. Yeah, Yay. I can do it. Cool. You can put your pants back on now. Thanks. Good morning. <laughs> right, I'll see you again. Uh, okay. Yeah, amazing. Bye. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's just really awkward. <laughs> Yes. So there we are. My interesting stuff. <laughs> For the record, I got a terrible cold. Mm. Um, reading, reading anything interesting? At the moment with work, as it is, I am fucking beat. I yeah. get up, I go to work for six, mm. I'm home, so the kids are usually in bed by half past nine, ten o'clock, and I'm pretty yeah, much yeah. straight out again. Um, so I'm still trying to make my way through that Jonestown Massacre book. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't think I've touched it in like weeks. No, I've been saying the last Sorry. couple of weeks to be honest, I really I've I've started a book called Dracul and it's uh, well about halfway through it now. But it's um, written by one of Brad Stoker's like relatives. Alright. And it's a fictionalized version of how he wrote Dracula, but told in the form of his diaries. That's quite cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting though. Because I haven't read Dracula either, that's told I mean, in the I... form of diaries as well, isn't it? Yeah, diary yeah, entries. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's on my bookshelf, Dracula yeah. and Frankenstein, yeah, and yeah, uh, you yeah. know, I need to read them at some point. But, yeah. Both excellent books. Obviously, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> don't think it's in the classics if they yeah. went pretty good. 
Uh, TV. I watched Murder Mountain. Oh, yeah, what do you on think? Netflix. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And that's got nothing in any way, shape, or form to do with my sudden interest in possibly smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was. Uh, it's been on my list. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Spoilers. If you haven't watched Murder Mountain, kind of spoilers. I'll just give you a full warning. I thought it started off really interesting and then towards the end just sort of tapered out like it lost the main plot line if you know what yeah, I mean yeah 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 well initially it's just, about a uh, disappearance slash murder wasn't it yeah so it's yeah you've got essentially there's an area in California where it's renowned for the illegal growing of marijuana you get people that go disappearing in the area on a regular basis they go up to get part time workers like uh, pickers and cutters and they're chopping up all the weed and trimming and all the rest mm. of it and the idea is it's big money you go up there for a couple of weeks you make a lot of money you come home but people keep going missing and it's essentially about one father's sort of son in particular has gone missing they follow his story arc mm-hmm. and then sort of it's only about eight episodes I think yeah something like that but the last two or three it sort of tapers off a bit and yeah it's more, like it, it becomes more about the weed industry itself yeah like there's a legalisation coming in and then the weed growers become legit and stuff like that so and it's interesting or you want to become legit and want to stay sort of quote unquote stay outlaws outlaws yeah, yeah. like that one dude there's <laughs> no way he's a real outlaw <laughs> there's one dude who like wears a mask and stuff like that in like the original episodes but then you see him in prison you see his face and stuff <laughs> every time you see him outside of that he's got a mask on like he's trying to put a hide his identity you see his name <laughs> his face everybody in the area is about to know yeah. who he is and then later on they show him ways you he, the camera could go with him where he buries his money. <laughs> oh yeah, you've got to keep a secret. <laughs> you've been filmed, you fucking idiot. Up in this hill, there's probably hundreds of thousands, millions of yeah. dollars worth of. Why isn't everybody stuff? there now digging for your money? Though? Yeah, yeah, no, it's quite interesting, and you know, I'm making more of an effort because our top five of last year, my TV entries oh, were quite yeah, yeah. short and poor. <laughs> I'm making more of an effort to watch some TV this year. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I've watched Murder Mountain. Yeah, well done, man. Yeah. <laughs> Still got to watch all that other stuff, but I'm making an effort. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like the Doobie Brothers, is that the names? The oh, Dookie Brothers. Dookie Brothers. Dookie Brothers, oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. The one that goes into like the, well, like the government building to get like legitimate papers and stuff like that. He comes out, he instantly just barks up a bar in his car <laughs> in and his, drives away. In the car park. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you're not giving the industry a bad name at all we're professionals couldn't have waited till they go home like (laughs) or at least off camera yeah 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 totally Uh, yeah no here we are Nerd Mountain pretty good on Netflix yeah so moving along yes Clive Barker season we officially decided to do a whole slew of episodes scrap that we'll go back Rewind. <laughs> you need to put that in the episode. I go scrap that rewind. You need to put that rewind sound in. It will start again. Um. Oh, I could just download a better one. <laughs> yeah, We've had a question sent in from a listener. Yes. That's right, a real live listener. Yeah, who knew? Um, Coincidentally, is somebody that's also left us a sort of review on iTunes. Oh, yeah. So, if any of you are inclined to leave us a review on yeah. iTunes, please follow, follow his example <laughs> and leave a five star review. Yeah, yeah obviously. Um, yes. So, uh, our friend Taya's message to say with Resi 2 on the horizon, uh, what would you say are your best horror game and why? Um. My favourite horror game is 
probably the original Mercy 2 to be honest I played the shit out of that when, I was, when it first came out you know to the point where like you're doing sort of speed runs together different characters different yeah. costumes and shit like that you know um, and as far as horror games go I mean short of sort of Dead Space and maybe even until, until Dawn I don't think I've really sort of played anything with that impact like so something because obviously at the time I was what 14, 15 something like that yeah. and so like the hands coming out the windows and shit like that scared the crap out of me at the time you know and I don't think I've ever played anything with that impact since then I was going to say I think the last game that really like rocked the boat in terms of I was actually frightened somewhat fearful while playing was would have been Dead Space yeah, yeah. Um, I think that game takes so much from so many elements from the great movies like it's obviously very much uh, inspired by or takes influence from the thing I think yeah there's yeah. a lot of body horror, body horror exactly. going on there um, and I like the whole concept of you need to dismember yeah the dismember thing was cool for these creatures that, yeah. that was awesome um, but I don't I'm not one of these people that get overly frightened when I'm playing games yeah yeah as mentioned in the previous episode which we've lost so you guys haven't heard this story yet but I'm going to tell it again the lad that I play and work with I play and work with I don't play and work with him I work with him but sometimes I play games with him online Um, yeah uh, we were playing shit I can't remember the game now what's that zombie one that zombie one that narrows it down Dying Light that's the one you're playing Dying Light and you, you know, join my game and we're running around and he's like, oh, you get a warning, it's going to be night time. And at night time, these fucking lunatic zombies come out. They are hard as fuck, they're fast as fuck, they're creepy yeah. as fuck. Um, and, you know, they can see you in the dark, you're around with your torch on, so you need to kind of have your torch off. But there is a UV light you can use. And blah, 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 blah. But he starts freaking out about, we need to get to the safe house, we need to get to the safe house. Right. And I said, like, what do we need to get to the safe house for? It's night time, night time's coming. Yeah. So press like double XP when you're outside yeah. in the night. Yeah, but it's dark, and it's the zombies, and you, you, no, we got to get back to the safe house. <laughs> and so I fucking just tag along yeah. behind me. Yeah. I'm a pro, <laughs> I ain't afraid of no nighttime zombies. zombies yeah. And I'm running around, jumping over the roofs, and he's freaking out. We're dead, don't go away. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. I don't get that. I don't. No, yeah. I'm quite. I'm very much like I can distance myself off, and okay, that's just. I mean, I don't understand how you can't do that when you're playing games, any game, and it's all like, oh shit, a racing game. I'm approaching this corner at 120 miles an hour. I need to slow the fuck down. Yeah. You don't do that. You hit uh, the yeah, corner yeah. 120. Yeah, you know yeah. that you're gonna make a round because yeah, exactly. you're not really in the car. Yeah, exactly. Who puts brakes on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and same with like shooting games. Yeah. Oh, hang on, I could die here. I'm just gonna hide behind this box until the match is over. Yeah, yeah. Nobody does like that. Like in a GTA game when you're flying down down the down the street at like 120 in between cars and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. And then you see you turn, you just like whip your handbrake on, you like spin and then you hit the corner and shit like that. Yeah, all over the like shop. Killing 15 people in the process. <laughs> in the process, running red lights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm very much, I space myself off. I can do that. I'm not afraid of the dark. I can do all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So it takes a lot for a game to really have me sort of on edge horror game wise. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the last really good one to do that was Dead Space. Mm. Alien Isolation, I think, tapped into it a little bit. So you never played Isolation? 
it was the idea and the write-up on it this is the problem with like reading up on so much stuff yeah. one of the things that really sold me on it when i was reading up about it was that the alien it has the ability to sort of adapt to your play yes, style yeah, yeah. so that. if you keep throwing crackers not like biscuit crackers, but like firecrackers. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to lure you away with the Ritz biscuits. <laughs> yeah, go eat that. Get rid of that Ritz biscuits. Put some cheese over there. Go. Like um, rats, like space rats. <laughs> if you lure you away with like firecrackers, or you make a noise somewhere so it distracts the alien, if you keep doing that, the alien sort of adapts and like yeah. will learn to ignore the noise and come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from the opposite direction so you've got to like adjust your play style mm. play very carefully but when I was playing I didn't really experience any of that I never yeah. really sort of I never really felt when the alien's close you get a bit tense because yeah. you know you're trying to creep under the tables hide wait for it to go mm. but I never really had the full on panic attack effect that I was kind of hoping for yeah, yeah, that you were advertising that I'd get I also like I think I remember reading as well that you could pick up noise from your um, controller mic as well yeah like, yeah oh big time you yeah. had to like yeah so if it dropped out of a vent and you jumped it would you you like oh, really? it heard you oh, wow. so you had to like That's pretty cool. turn that off yeah, yeah. I, that happened once I took my mic off I was like, fuck that <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm gonna cheat <laughs> yeah get me twice um, yes and then the follow up question was uh, hang on Best horror games, right? And sorry, as Resident Evil Two is on the horizon. Also, what do you think is the goriest movie? Hang on, rewind. <laughs> Not in the nice <laughs> Follow-up question was: What do you think is the goriest movie? I find this one a bit tricky. Mm. How do you define goriest? I'd say by like viscera and like. I mean, mine. My pick for this. And it came into my mind instantly because I think it is like the goriest thing I've seen, even though it's completely over the top and ridiculous. Is Brain Dead? Well, I think it's Dead Alive in America. Isn't it? Yeah, Dead Alive. Um, but Brain Dead, I, th- I, I've, I've told you before, like on a previous episode as well as the one we recorded <laughs> and then lost. <laughs> so I've told you this story several times. But like I was staying with my parents' friends and we were in like in Holland, and they had this uh, movie. Horror movie marathon, marathon on. I think it was like Nightmare Before, no, Nightmare on Elm Street three. It's never for fucking Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite the horror yeah. marathon like that. Yeah, it's Nightmare on Elm Street three. Uh, Leprechaun, the first one. Brain Dead and something else. I can't remember what. Maybe Poltergeist. But um, yeah, and that was the first time I seen Brain Dead, and fuck man, I blew me away like. Like the amount of guts and pus and shit like that, you know what I mean? Like the strimmer scene when he's literally like ankle deep in blood. Yeah, I think easy the goldish one. Yeah, I think there's a lot of films that use like lots of blood. Yeah. And like there's a lot of blood splatter and you know there's throats cut and there's blood pissing everywhere. Yeah. And that can be considered quite gory. Yeah. Um, but I guess it depends on what your like your definition of gory would be, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of where I was sort of angling at. Um, for me, like, really effective gore are things that, like, they really make you feel uncomfortable when you watch it. Okay, yeah. 
So, and again, we mentioned the thing earlier. John Carpenter's The Thing is really effective use of yeah, gore. Yeah. The stuff in that is fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, but there, there are a lot of like a lot of the Italian zombie movies, like Zombie Flesh Eaters. Yeah. I think I mentioned this in the last before. Mm. There's there's lots of really clever practical effects in there, and yeah. like in particular for me, anything that's got anything to do with eyes, that's oh, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. my. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. I'm like that with like pasta and boilers. Yeah, eyes. Um, And there's a great piece in Zombie Flesh Eaters where there's a woman barricaded in a room and she's trying to hold the door shut and the zombies are trying to break the door down. Yeah. And there's uh, essentially like a wooden splinter hanging out of the door and the zombies go all over the back of her head and pull her towards the splinter and you see it going in her eye. And if you just have a look for like on Google for Zombie Flesh Eaters eye gif, you'll see it. Um, I mean, that's gross as fuck. I, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the weirdest fucking things. But as well, in terms of, like, gross, um, have you ever watched Necromantic? No, I haven't. No. The whole... You watch it, and if you take it just as it is, there's nothing to it. But if you actually, like, sort of take it in context, there's meant to be. Yeah. Basically, it's about this dude who works for, like, a body recovery unit. Right. And he comes across this corpse in a river. Yeah and they bag it up take it away mm-hmm. and he offers to take it back to the depot right. except he doesn't take it back to the depot he takes it back to his house right. and him and his girlfriend they have a whale of a time with this half rotted <laughs> fucking river corpse yeah, yeah. and the whole time I'm like it's like stupid they're like licking it there's a bit where like they're sucking an eyeball out of his socket and like putting it back and it's like there's no way that eyeball would be left mm. never question the science yeah, yeah. but there's like loads of really weird shit it's like, oh the smell the fucking smell. We're not just talking about a corpse smell. We're talking about a soggy river corpse, like a boggy river corpse smell. Yeah. And they're licking it and fucking it and all sorts. It's oh my God. But you, you watch it. It's just a couple of people like pretending to have sex with a fake skeleton. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But in context, it's fucking gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I hope that kind of answers your questions. <laughs> so... Yours, your pick then for goriest film would be Necromantic. Uh, but I don't know if it counts as gore because mm. it's not really. We'll go with the thing. John Carpenter's yeah. the thing. Oh. A quick, simple answer to the thing. <laughs> the the concept of Necromantic is absolutely fucking disgusting, yeah. and that creeps me. It makes my stomach turn. Yeah. Which kind of it is. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> well, they're more gross than gory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the idea is disgusting. Yeah. So it's more gross than gory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fucking just watch it. Just watch Negromantic people. You'll you'll love it. It's great. It's a love story about two people loving a corpse together at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a follow up well, it's not really a follow up question. I was sort of asked um a follow up question. Fuck me, I can't talk properly today at all. And recently while I was getting tattooed, um I was discussing the fact that I do a podcast with the lady that does my tattooing, or does some of the tattooing. Just to clarify, he doesn't do a podcast with the person that's doing my tattooing. <laughs> <laughs> does podcast for me. And I was talking to her yeah. about the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she was asking what it was about, and I said, but uh, just talk nonsense, really. Yeah. And uh, it's a bit difficult to explain <laughs> that we talk about really bad horror movies, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> usually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I said about we'd done a rundown of our favourite, uh, you know, top five stuff from last year. And uh, we discussed music and she likes similar stuff. And she asked about the Alkaline Trio album and right. was that featured on our list. 
And we're both Alkaline Trio fans. Yeah, yeah. And he's You'd on neither of our lists. No. Did you listen to it? I not even. I don't think I'd even finished the album to be honest. I mean, the last few Alkaline Trio albums, I feel haven't been that strong. You know. Yeah, I agree. There. And I listened to a couple of our tracks from this one. I just, I just think wasn't enjoying that at all. You know. Yeah, they leaked. I say leaked. They released. They didn't leak. They were released. Mm. Um, Blackbird, I think it was, was one of the tracks. Okay. And something else. And when I heard him, I wasn't overly. No. Do you think that maybe his Matt Skiba's time in Blink has maybe influenced the sound of Alkali? <sighs> I don't know. They've kind of been because the the change from that garage horror punk sound yeah, yeah, yeah. has been gradually coming to their sound now. Yeah. Over, like you said, over the last couple of albums, yeah. they've definitely sort of cleaned up the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think the last... I think the last... The, the Good Morning, I think, was the one where I really started to notice a sort of change. But I still yeah, I yeah, really yeah. like Good Morning. Yeah, yeah. Crimson, even more so again. Yeah, I really like Crimson, yeah. And then everything after Crimson, yeah, I think, is where that I too really far, started losing yeah, interest. Yeah. Um, I still got a lot of love for Trio. Oh cause... yeah, definitely. Yeah. I should go and see them pick up a card if it's something like yeah. that, you know. But I think I listened to the album the... twice, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of giving her a listen. Yeah, yeah. They've had two plays. Yeah. If it doesn't grab me in two plays, no, then fuck it. Where's my other fucking? So yes, moving on. Here we are. Bit, 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 bit filler. Clive Barker season. Clive we are Barker doing season. an entire slew of episodes. Yeah. And we're going to start off by doing all of the Hellraisers. Not in this episode. We're going to do the first Hellraiser in this episode. And then two and three. And then... Provided. I'm thinking about, I've been thinking about this, man. I think that maybe we should do four, five, and six in one episode. And then... No, four, five, six, and seven. Oof. Four in an episode. episode. No. No, actually. <laughs> what the fuck am I on about? What the fuck am I on about? <coughs> so... I'm just going to start this entire thing again, yeah? Yeah. So, we're going to do Hellraiser 1 in this episode. We're going to do Hellraiser 2 and 3 in the next episode. Then, I think we should do three films per episode. Right. So, we'll do 4, 5, and 6, 7, 8, and 9, and then we'll give judgment its own episode, shall we? Sounds good. Sweet. And then we're going to do um, Underworld. No, are we going to do Underworld? I don't know. I think we discussed that, didn't we? That's like Clive Barker's first film. Right. And apparently it's awful. (laughs) Especially if it's awful, you should definitely do it. fit with the theme of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rawhead Rex. Yep. uh, Lord of Illusions. Nightbreed. Nightbreed. And possibly some others. We'll throw it out onto our Instagram and Twitter. I think we've been banding around Books of Blood and um, The Midnight Meat Train see what people want us to talk about Indeed. see if there's any particular Clive Barker gems but to kick off Clive Barker season let's give a few facts about the man himself Clive Barker Bada-bing. so he's born in 1952 in Liverpool he went to Quarry Bank High School and he was in Sky School with Doug Bradley <gasps> I know right <laughs> is that going to be your like pretend shot now it's like the whole thing it's great yeah, carry on carry on with that a little bit with Doug Bradley, and he was in a theatre troupe with Doug Bradley and Les Dennis. Les Dennis! I know, but that wasn't his name back then. I can't remember what his name was now. I don't give a damn much of a fuck about Les Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. 
Uh, so yeah, he started writing plays when he was in school. His first published work was Books of Blood. That was between 1984-1985. I think he released the first couple of sort of... Because it was Books of Blood 1 to 3 and then 3 to 6. Yeah. I think he released the first one a lot in 1984, then 1985 he released the next lot. And it was in 1985 that he wrote his first film, Underworld, that we just mentioned. And then he wrote Rawhead Rex before going on to write and direct Hellraiser in 1987. So, should we start with Hellraiser? Yeah, unless there's any other interesting Clive Barkery bits. Let's just have a chat about Clive Barker for a bit. Okay, so, cool. so you are more of a Clive Barker guy than I am. You, you were much more yes, into Clive yeah, Barker. I started reading his books when I must have been early teens. And um, I think the first one I read was Books of Blood. I picked up, there used to be a book shopping card called Dylan's, do you remember it? I think so. Um, it was I am not going to go into that now because nobody's going to know what the fuck I'm talking about <laughs> yeah, it's a bookshop called Dylan's I picked up in there um, I think it was the first sort of three I picked up and they blew me away man they were so like like you've got Stephen King and he's a good author and he can write a good hard tale and stuff like that but nothing to me was as visceral and disgusting as Clive Barker's work this is one of the things I find really sort of difficult about Stephen King is people consider him like a horror author yeah, and he does write horror stories yeah, yeah. but they're, they're relatively tame yeah. they're, you know I say I'm relatively tame when you're fucking panned by people <laughs> but like the the contents are mm. they're, they're horror themed yeah but they're they not be quite, quite some as, wholesome stories in a way yeah they're not I remember reading uh, Hellbound Heart yeah and just the the complete change of sort of tone. Yeah, yeah. You know, Clive Barker very much goes for blood, guts, yeah. gore. Yeah, S and M, like there's dicks everywhere. Yeah. Like that, yeah, it's horrible. Where Stephen King stuff is all almost. He's got a very good knack of he's telling you a creepy story, but also keeping you safe. He doesn't yeah, yeah, give yeah. like too much of the gory detail in it. He doesn't yeah. dive into the depravity as such. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He keeps it all very much nice and clean. Yeah, it's about these sort of clean, wholesome people going into this horrible situation yeah. and stuff like that. Whereas Clive Barker's more like, these people are fucking horrible and they continue to be horrible. And they do horrible stories. fucking things yeah, exactly. and horrible yeah. things happen to them. Yeah, 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 totally, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's exactly how I felt when I first read, started reading Clive Barker. It's like nothing was this sort of disgusting and horrible. So I just fell in love and I started reading sort of, I read The Hellbound Heart. Um, I must I read man like Weave World um, Cabal which is the book that Nightbreed is based on yeah and yeah I just started looking for any Clyde Barker I could find you know and obviously then I dipped into the films and Hellraiser was just mind blowing to me I loved it I don't think I dipped into many more of his films other than that at the time I think at the time as well like Hellraiser 2 and 3 and maybe even 4 were out so I was sort of watching those almost religiously. Um, did you like dip into his films much? I didn't catch Hellraiser until I must have been in my late teens. Right. So they'd been out for a while and there's quite a lot of build up about these films. And mm. I remember the first sort of time I watched Hellraiser, I thought it was okay. Mm. Hellbound, I think I started losing interest. Three, mm. I just sort of laughed at, I think That's, at the time. Yeah. Um, and all the rest that I've seen after that, they've left a very little impact. Yeah. 
But one of the things, obviously, at this point of recording, I've watched Hellraiser again, mm-hmm. and I've watched two and three. And I have to be honest, I think it could very well be that I have watched a lot of Tat <coughs> Ratman. <laughs> um, so that my appreciation has gone up. Yeah. But I've definitely got a new level of love mm-hmm. for, in particular, Hellraiser. Yeah, um, I mean. Once you, like at the time, I don't think I really appreciated it as much as I do now. But I loved the imagery at the time, you know, I think that was what drew me in, like the imagery of Pinhead alone, you know, and that sort of presence of Pinhead alone, that was what drew me in. I loved this sort of, and I was obsessed with like, this idea of hell and demons and shit like that. That's what drew me into a horror film. Like I I wasn't into the slashes and stuff like that. It was like this demon sort of presence that got me into it, but like, so at the time that was what drew me in but now when you sort of look at it from almost like a critical angle and you see this like love story and love story unfold before you and have the depravity of it and like you realize that it's not about pinhead it's not about the cenobites it's about julia and frank and larry in a way essentially it's almost like a really messed up version of romeo and juliet yeah yeah you've got these two what you believe are star-crossed lovers yeah. are, you know it's almost like a family drama in a way yeah, yeah. Um, and there is very much about a story of love yeah absolutely um, which when you try and sell the idea of <laughs> Hellraiser to yeah, people yeah. no it's a love story yeah and they look at the front and see Pinhead plastered yeah. everywhere they like, the fuck are you talking yeah, about yeah. <laughs> no it is it yeah. is genuinely it is. Um, but yeah, no, I remember it took, it was a long time before I watched Hellraiser. I remember I wasn't overly impressed when I first watched them. Um, bearing yeah. in mind, this is younger me, yeah. where you I... haven't seen Ratman yet. I haven't seen <laughs> Ratman yet, or a slew of other things I could just reel off. They're yeah. terrible. Um, and so most of my horror knowledge came from like all the classics, mm. like Halloween, yeah. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. yeah. The, the, they're so out there so high up in terms of like the horror standard mm. the yeah. you know the Hellraiser not so much underperformed in comparison to those films mm. but I don't think I think the stuff that they were trying to do in Hellraiser was just beyond my yeah, comprehension like, at the time more of like a mature sort of palette rather than somebody who's looking for just a straight up slasher film sort of yeah thing. it's yeah. one of those things that I found getting older and more wiser yeah, and mature yeah. there's a reason that some films are rated what they're rated it's not because of the content as such mm. it's just uh, you know Hellraiser's rated 18 because of the content yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there are other films yeah. where like the, yeah, there's references to drugs and other stuff yeah. and the reason they're rated that rating is not because you know they talk about well, it's because oh, fucking hell mm. the reason that these ratings are in place are to try and they're aimed at a target audience that will understand the concepts they're yeah, trying yeah. to get across. Yeah. Um, so same with the yeah, like Hellraiser. I watched it when I was in my late teens, not quite, I say late teens, 16 plus maybe. Yeah. So these things were still very much foreign to me, this idea, yeah. this love story bollocks and all the rest of it. And, oh, just we're looking for kills. Yeah. There's supposed to be demons from hell in you. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's all right. He's got this guy with nails in his head. He's like, yeah, doing stupid God speeches. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, so it took me a while to get into Hellraiser. Um, I have dipped into a couple of his other things over the years yeah. and not really realised they were his. It was like a midnight meat train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I watched that, I was like, oh, from Clive Barker. Um, 
I think I watched there was a film called Books of Blood I think and yeah, there was yeah, yeah. a dude that had like the books tattooed yeah, into his body in yeah, blood yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I've watched that I couldn't tell you anything I'm pretty sure it. I've watched it as well but I can't remember anything yeah. about it, um, so it did take me a while to tap into his films as well as his books yeah. um, like I said you I read, read any of his books I read Hellbound Heart uh, The Great and Secret Show oh I've read that I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that was one of the ones I dipped into when I was first discovered um uh, Mr. Be Gone. Yeah. Which isn't it, alright. I quite enjoyed Mr. Be Gone to be honest. Um it was years ago I read it and I, I don't think it was quite as fucked up as the rest of his books. Yeah, it was almost yeah. like yeah. a tame effort. Yeah. And then the Crimson Gospel Scarlet, Scarlet Gospel and latest and greatest pinhead yeah, yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was guff. I you didn't really, like those you? really didn't get on with uh-huh. that. I it was too campy yeah the idea that Pinhead who is essentially a fucking slave worker for the devil manages to combat fight and overcome the devil he's got more power than the devil yeah yeah I was a bit like uh, I think I need to reread it to be honest it's been a while since I've read read it it. yeah yeah I'm not as familiar with the story as I am say for example the hell on heart and stuff yeah now I only read it the once and now it's just not yeah. old yeah nope this isn't what I wanted I wanted more blood and guts and not <laughs> silly tales of Pinhead winning against the devil he but, dies in the end though doesn't he yeah, well it's, uh, I can't remember now but yeah there we are we, we've yeah, told I mean, you I think that was the point of the story is for just for the off. to kill kill up Pinhead yeah sorry Interrupting you. <laughs> <laughs> just completely just derailed the full flow of the conversation. So yes, on to Hellraiser. Yeah. Um, IMDB score. Want to take a guess? Seven. Bang. Bang on. Yeah, I didn't remember that from the first time we recorded this episode. <laughs> um, but yes, Hellraiser starts. Uh, we've got a man. He's hear a voice saying what's your what's pleasure you sir and cuts to there's two gentlemen sitting at a table somewhere f- that's nice and warm so I'm guessing it's a foreign country and they're barring over this sort of box which is the infamous puzzle box if you don't know what the puzzle box is get your phones out google puzzle box lament configuration and by the end of the hell is series I'm sure we'll be lamenting those configurations <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> boom <laughs> Did you write that one down special? I didn't, I didn't write it down, man. I had it in my mind, you know. It's been in my mind for like fucking two months. Waiting. Um, so yes, this gentleman, he gets his box, he goes back, turns out he's back in some house. Next to him, he's in a house, which is back home in England, I believe, the first one's supposed to be set. No, well, he's originally was set in England, but the production company said that they, or, or New World, actually, I think it was, said they wanted to set to in America. So... All of the, well, Frank's voice and the delivery guys, the guys who were moving yes, in the bed, they were overdubbed with American actors. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that, that was genuine. That was genuine. Surprise. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so we see Frank. He's upstairs in a room playing with his box. With the box. <laughs> <laughs> and his box. Oh, God. Yes. Um... <laughs> We see him, he's all hot and bothered and sweaty and a bit gross. And he's, he's flapping around. And all of a sudden, he does something. He opens the box. The box works. 
Chains come out, grab hold of him. So Chains, lose Chains. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chains. Chains. Got him, bang, zip. And then we see the Cenobites. The room is transformed. There's chains everywhere. Yeah. There's chunks of dicks on and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> all sorts everywhere. Yeah, dicks is a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, I like Clive Barker likes a dick. Yeah, <laughs> both in his works and, yeah, and in his personal life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, we get to see the Cenobites. And we see Pinhead sort of rearranging her face, which we believe to be Frank. Um, yeah. And then it cuts to Larry, Larry, who is later revealed to be Frank's brother. They move, he's showing Julia, so his second wife. You know when we first recorded this episode, yes. we kept on referring to Frank as a horny toad. Yes. Can we, can we go back to doing that? We can go like back that. to Frank yeah, yeah. the horny toad. Yeah. And Larry the, the limp toad. Limp toad. <laughs> so Larry is, uh, yes, married to Julia showing him around the house and obviously brother Frank has been in the house because there's rotting food everywhere yeah. um, they're sort of pottering around talking about moving in they agree to move in Julia heads up to the attic and finds Frank's secret stash now earlier the room was covered in chains and viscera and blood and guts and all sorts everywhere but now outside of Frank's dirty stash it's clean as a whistle mm. now Frank's dirty stash he's got pictures of him having relations with other women um, and several magazines strewn about the floor. He's obviously a horny toad. He's never a horny toad, hey. There we go, we got it. We're on track. Oh, we can yeah. start yeah. using it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, they decide to move in. Great stuff. So next, we sort of see, I believe, Larry and Julia are moving furniture in. Yes. The furniture guys are downstairs helping them get this mattress upstairs and Larry catches his hand, back of his hand, on a nail. Yeah. Digs in, takes a chunk of skin out. He goes wobbling up into the attic where Julia is again, once again, admiring Frank's gallery of... Just like them gallery. Gash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, uh, yes, Larry's bleeding all over the floor. Mm. There's a big emphasis on the bleeding on the floor. We see lots of, like... Close-ups of blood dripping into puddles on the floor. Yeah. Julia, you need to go to the hospital. And off they top to the hospital. We get a nice camera pan under the floorboards where we see a tiny little beating heart trapped mm. in like a web of... You could say a hellbound heart. A hellbound heart. We <laughs> 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 see a hellbound heart yeah. beating away under the floorboards. And this is when we see the resurrection of Frank, isn't it? The resurrection. We get, yes, it comes to, uh, cuts to, yeah, we get a build-up of the resurrection of Frank, which looks incredible, I have to be yeah. honest. Um, it's one so of the like, greatest sequences, I think. Yeah, I think the original, like the first part of that, where you see the, well, like the pass and the gore coming up from the floor, that was originally like a wax figure they melted. And then they played that footage backwards to show it sort of rising, coming up from the floor, yeah. And then the rest of it then was like three or four, I believe. Bear with me a sec, I've got written down somewhere. So yeah, each shot when it comes back to the um, the sort of limbs coming up the floor, limb. each shot of that was a different puppet. All right. So he was a different one every time for each shot. 
Until we get to Skinless Frank, obviously. Skinless Frank. We see him, he's sat there and he's all... <laughs> not looking like that. He's not. He's got no skin. Yeah. He's all just flesh and bones. Yeah. Looking kind of gross. Well, he's not flesh and bones. He's more... <laughs> nerve endings. And nerve endings and... Yeah. Muscle and... Sinewy. <laughs> he's a fucking mess. Yeah. You wouldn't want to go outside like that, that's he's for sure. A bit of a Monday. <laughs> Uh, Julia hears him, I believe, and creeps upstairs. Yeah, going, yeah. What's yeah, going yeah. on upstairs? What's all that bumping and banging? Mm. Frank's hiding in the shadows, horny toad Frank. And uh, skinless horny toad. He tries to convince Julia. I think we've missed loads here. More than likely, I mean, like, we did record this episode like three weeks ago, and that's when I last watched it. Yes. At some point before this, we get a flashback where Julia, before marrying Larry, gets a knock at the door. Oh, she answers right. the door. Yes. In the pouring rain yeah. is Brother Frank. And he's all like, are you going to let me in or what? And she's obviously taken with Brother Frank. Brother Frank is an attractive man. Yeah. Brother Frank comes in. Next thing you know, they're upstairs rutting away. She's having a whale of a time by the look of her face. Frank obviously knows what he's doing because he's a horny toad. A bit of a horny toad. Um, but uh, his brother Larry is none the wiser and Julia and Larry end up getting married cut back to the attic where Julia is now in the attic looking at gross Frank yeah and he's all like don't be afraid well this skinless man has <laughs> <laughs> just corner. magically appeared yeah. in, in my attic I think I'm going to be quite afraid of that <laughs> who the fuck much. are you what yeah. the fuck are you doing in my why attic? have you got no fucking skin <laughs> how are you still alive how, do you talk, how are you talking right now Anyway, he explains who he is, and Julia, so strong is her love for Frank. What a desire for Frank. A longing. Yeah, yeah. A need for Frank's meat. Obsession with Frank's horny (laughs) toneless. But Frank convinces her that the only way they can be together is if he gets more blood. He needs more to begin reassembling re-energising fucking skinning up yeah (laughs) he needs the blood the life force to rebuild himself into the powerful fuck machine he once was (laughs) full maximum horny toad full maximum rumpy pumpy Frank Um, so yeah next we see Julia she's off to the local watering hole of some description a watering hole it looks like an airport or something, I thought. Oh, yeah. That's first watching it. But she's all dolled up and she's looking for this lonely businessmen that sort of hang around and drinking at 10 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. And she convinces one to come back to her place. He's all handsy and grabby. And uh, she's like, oh, I don't know about this. It's like, you're not going to turn me down, are you? Again? Obviously, this is a reoccurring theme in this poor man's life that he gets coerced into coming back to women's houses and they turn him away. Yeah. But he's a bit aggressive about the whole thing. Yeah, he tends to be a bit of a dick. Yeah, he's a bit of a dick. Bit of a rapey rock. Yeah, rapey, yeah. Rapey rock. And so Julia, all of a sudden, doesn't feel so guilty about this rapey piece of shit. Yeah. And she takes him upstairs and takes him to the attic and he's all like what about a bed where's the bed and Julia's all like we don't need a bed 
and he's all super keen for just fucking on the floor. Like, well, that would be comfy. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a bed in the other room over there. Can yeah, there's a bed there? over there. Do you, know, do you have any idea it's how hard this is going to be on my knees? Yeah, you stinky old fucking attic. But he's obviously got the horn and he follows her in, at which point she picks up a hammer off the wall, which is conveniently hanging there, yeah. and proceeds to bash his fucking head in. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was, I was really surprised, actually, we were watching the Arrow Blu-ray version, name drop Arrow video again, in the hopes that they, you know, give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was really surprised by how good, obviously the last time I watched it must have been on fucking video before yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched the Blu-ray. Yeah. But he takes a shot on the back of the head, then he takes a shot to the face. Mm, yeah. And it's like you see all his mangled faces, like teeth missing and where he's had a good fucking crack. And, oh, wow, man, that looks really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, Frank steps out of the shadows, starts eating away, <laughs> sucking out the life force with the back of his head. Is there any reason in particular it's the back of the head? There's like a, they dip the fingers into the yeah. back of the skull. Is yeah, that, that just so they can't get away? Maybe, yeah, maybe it's just some holding on because like it's spinal fluid or something. There's the kiss, it's all sucking out through the mouth, yeah, yeah. but they've got hold fingers in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if there was some note in that in all your research you did or whether it's just so, a, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's just just holding on. Holding on, yeah, yeah. If you've got it stuck on yeah, the back. Yeah, I mean, you've got to try and get away on you if somebody's yeah. trying to suck your life force up. So if somebody me. sticks their fingers in the back of your head, you ain't going anywhere, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, there we are. are Science. Science. <laughs> and Frank proceeds to suck the life force out of this guy. Rinse and repeat this for several more victims. Yeah. Well, actually, we skipped a, a bit of a scene. A bit of a scene, we skipped a scene. Um, <laughs> where Julia, after killing the first person, I believe, she goes into the bathroom and she's got blood all over her. Ah, oh, yes. And she I look into the mirror where it's like she's almost accepting that this is what I'm going to do now, this is my life now. There's that realisation that she can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite, a, yeah, actually, it's quite an important piece mm. of the puzzle. Yeah, because she's essentially the main villain. Apologies, we first. talked about this. Last episode. We did. <laughs> so we're kind of sailing through it this episode. Yeah. But, yes. No, it's a really important scene, I think. Because, mm. like you said, yeah, she goes into the bathroom. She's a bit sort of flustered because, obviously, she just fucking killed a guy. Yeah. She just fucking bashed some guy's head in with a hammer. Yeah. But, of course, she's looking in the mirror. And she can see a reflection covered in blood. And you see, like, a look come over her face where she's obviously... She can do this. This isn't the problem for her. Yeah. She can quite easily continue to do this. Sorry, man, you've got to smart. Smart. <laughs> I was going to say something. I just keep on looking at it. <laughs> We're going to take a short break. <laughs> <laughs> i got a fucking million nose. I was all like, that's it. I tried not to fucking snore. <laughs> I couldn't feel it this time. <laughs> See, that excuse me my excessive snoring and we're back. It's not a crisis averted. I got <laughs> tissue. On the, on the, you know, just as a, a side note, if you have a moustache, it's really hard to tell when you've got snot running down your yeah, face. Yeah, <laughs> So now that that's out of the way... Um, right, where are we? We were with Julia in the bathroom. Yes. So she's, she's yeah, looking in the mirror, realising she could do this, and she can do it, most importantly, for Frank and for love. Because that's essentially what the story is about. It's about this sort of obsession and desire, and like I, when I was researching, I got into like a bit of a hole where um, comparisons were made to Faust, right? With Christopher Marlowe, 
the tale of Faust, Dr. Yeah. Faustus, where he sells his soul for forbidden knowledge, essentially. And the desire for this forbidden knowledge. And I, that's what Frank, like, Frank was obsessed with this forbidden knowledge. So that's why he opened the box. And, and Julia was obsessed with this forbidden sort of love, this forbidden, forbidden passion with Frank. And that's essentially, that's, that's this, the story boiled down to it, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Boils down to a, a, the, the, the longing. Yeah, the longing for this forbiddenness, the forbidden. Horny toad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so rinse and repeat, few more killings. Bang, bang, bang. Hammers, eating, chomp, chomp, chomp. Lovely, jubbly. Julia. She's a bad mum. She's a bad stepmother. <laughs> <laughs> you should go to a rat then. <laughs> Um, Larry's got a daughter from his first wife, Kirsty, who pops right up now and again. Yeah. Do you know uh, in the book she was his work colleague and his daughter? What? what? <laughs> yeah. And Larry was called Rory. 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 Rory uh, the limp toad. Instead of Larry the limp toad. Yeah. Nah. Either name implies limp toad, I think. Yeah. They're both. Mm. It's neither of them are good names. No. Are neither of them are manly men. Neither of them are fuck machine names, if, are they? If you were Rory and you were Scottish. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you can uh, imagine like a burly Scottish dude, yeah. probably, but not like some American dude. No. Yeah. That's kind of the conversation. I think you're thinking a burly, burly man with not so manly names. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Sylvester, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not a that's yeah. never a cartoon bird, not a fucking <laughs> giant. Man. I think Sylvester's the cat. Ah, there we go. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've seen the like Tweety the Bird. That's right, yeah, yeah. All right, it's the name of Cartoon Cat. What's the fucking difference? Um, yeah, so Kirsty's out and about. She's popping around, keeping an eye on stuff. She has a bit of a shitty relationship with Julia in as much as... She fucking hates her. She fucking hates her, yeah. She doesn't really trust her or anything. Um, and she sort of realises that something's up, so starts sort of stalking Julia, which is in any other context would be weird but it's mm. totally justified in this case we missed the scene in the pet shop we did Kirsty's working in a pet oh we missed the walking home scene there's the dinner and Kirsty walks home and there's the homeless guy in ah, the shed of course uh, so in between all these killings these hammer killings we can edit and get that in in between all these <laughs> when you say we you mean I can edit and get that <laughs> it's just good blooper material <laughs> In between all these killings, there's uh, they have a little family get together, a little family dinner, have a little munch, and uh, Julia decides she needs to go to bed early. She's had enough, and I believe she goes and sees Frank, and Frank's all like, "I need more, I need a couple more, a couple more, and I'll be whole again." Yeah. And uh, Kirsty eventually leaves the party with her little boyfriend, dude. I don't need a boyfriend yet. Yeah. But he does that weird thing where they sat at the dinner table and he like jiggles a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like pushing in his mouth and then takes out. Back so. out, still like, like he's yeah. some hot shit. Yeah. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they walk home. He walks her home. And Julia gets the sense that somebody is watching them. Sure. And she turns around to have a look. And there's this weird bearded homeless dude that's just stood in like a shed doorway watching them. Like, he's a fucking creepy guy. So when you say Julia has a feeling somebody's watching them, you mean Kirsty's has a feeling watching them, yeah? Julia's gone to bed, yeah. yeah. yeah she's Kirsty. Julia's the bad man. Right. Kirsty's the daughter. Yeah. So, rewind. 
Lots of reruns this episode. <laughs> Kirsty's walking home with her would-be boyfriend. You wouldn't have thought that we'd fucking record this episode before. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> they were, Julia's walking home with her boyfriend. Julia? Fuck, Kirsty's walking <laughs> home with her boyfriend. <laughs> and uh, she gets the feeling that somebody's watching her. She turns around and in a shed... It's a shed. What's well, kind of a shed? It's some sort of weird outbuilding. Anyway, there's this homeless. Well, I say homeless. We don't know he's homeless. There's this grubby-looking motherfucker with a big beard, dirty. I think it's safe to assume he's homeless. Yeah, I think it's safe to assume he's homeless. That's yeah, the shed, is it? And then, yeah, he's he's watching her, and she sort of looks at him. He doesn't say anything, and they walk off. In between some more killings, Julia, fuck, Kirsty, <laughs> is in the pet shop where she works. And uh, a homeless guy turns up and he's sort of got his hand in a box or something. She's like, yo, what are you doing? And he turns around and he's just got a handful of like crickets, locusts. Yeah. He's just eating these locusts like a weird fucker. Yeah. I found like there's a lot of um, almost like theories about that dude where people think that Clive Barker played him. It wasn't. No, I was going to say, I don't think so. It doesn't look like Clive Barker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, I like, did some... Either that or he was meant to play him, something like that. Right. But um, obviously time constraints and budget constraints meant that he couldn't. Because we also forgot to mention as well, which is quite an important piece of information. We're such professionals. Clive yeah. Barker actually directed Yes, Hellraiser. he did. This is the only Hellraiser film he directed. And kudos to Clive Barker. Mm. I think being the director of one of his own properties meant he got to give it quite a lot of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah and do it properly, which yeah. I think is the problem with the later Hellraisers. They maybe not had somebody that quite cared so much about it. Well, I think what they tried to do with the later ones is make Pinhead a villain. As, yeah, make as him the main... As opposed to this, like, person who's just been called and is doing essentially what they're meant to do. Yeah. Rather than, like, making him sort of a bad guy. Because Hellraiser, the first one, is not about Pinhead at all. It's not... Like, he's, he's, he's not even a villain. Julia's a villain. Yeah, I think Pinhead gets maybe 10 minutes of screen time. Something like that, yeah. In yeah. the first one. There's not a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Julia is busy hammering away. Kirsty's a bit suspect of her stepmom. She follows her, realises she's bringing guys home. She goes in to confront her whorish stepmom. Yeah. She goes in the house, sneaking about, goes upstairs. Of course, Julia's already brained this guy partially. Yeah. And Frank has pounced, ready to feast. Uh, when Julia pre- comes up the stairs and is like, Julia, fuck me. Kirsty comes up the stairs and is all like, what the fuck? <laughs> and this guy is all like halfway hanging out the doorway, all like, help me. Fucking half drained. She grabs his hand, but Frank's got hold of him the other side. And kind of pulls them into the room. Yeah. And Kirsty gets to see her Uncle Frank all about thing, but this time it's safe to say he's all fleshed up. No, this, he's not. He's not fleshed, fleshed up. up. He, he meat it oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got he's got yeah. meat on his bones yeah. this time. It's not, he's not just he's not just uh, nerve endings and the veins. He doesn't have any flesh, but he's still like he's a bit more padded out, so So that She's freaking the fuck out. Frank's all like, it's okay, come to daddy. Come to daddy, yeah. The first time that line's that, that fucking horrible line. Oh, it's just so fucking creepy. It's one of the things I also noticed in Hellraiser 2 later is that mm. Julia uses it 
Yes, she does. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Come to mummy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weirdos. Yeah. But yes, um, Kirsty freaking the fuck out, picks up the box, the puzzle box, the key. The and configuration. Frank's all like, don't, don't, you need to put that down. That's bad. You don't want that. Yeah. Listen to Uncle Frank. Okay. Listen to Daddy. <laughs> Kirsty's all like, fuck you. Throws her out the window, legs it. Picks up the box in the street, runs off, passes out. Yeah. Wakes up in a hospital, in a nut house. Nut house? I think it's just a standard hospital at the moment. Two yeah, yeah, yeah. nut house. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. Wakes up in a hospital. Doctors are all like, hey, what's going on? Is this where she has the dream sequence? Yes. So, like, well, I can't remember the exact quote, because I'm not doing like I said, it's been fucking three weeks since I watched it. Do know, however, that dream sequence was inspired by the surrealism of Dario Argento. Boom. Yeah. Dream sequence, yes. She has, like, a weird dream sequence bit where the wall opens up. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes into the labyrinth. Yeah. With the engineer. The engineer is yes. chasing around, which is this weird... Well, he's a... The engineers are being created to serve the labyrinth. Um, we don't really see the labyrinth until Hellraiser 2. But yeah, he was made to serve the labyrinth and Leviathan, I guess. He was Lord of the Labyrinth. And um, the engineer itself is one of the makeup artists in a massive suit, like an engineer suit, obviously. I think he was like upside down or something like that. <laughs> and he's like in a massive rig and pushed it, he was being pushed down the corridor by like eight people. <laughs> I was going to say it's a pretty chunky thing yeah yeah it's pretty, quite big life. Um, yeah she wakes up does a little box playing mm. summons the Cenobites yes she does this is the second time we see Pinhead for all of maybe three minutes yeah Pinhead and his cronies I would like to add there are yeah. four of which one is the female Cenobite yeah you got Butterball Butterball who's like her. Butterball's kind yeah, of self-explanatory he's a chubby guy with glasses Hunter. yeah Sunglasses, because it's bright as fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, obviously. And obviously, and Chatterer, which is possibly the most creepy, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think they changed the look of him in two. I think they gave him eyes. Yeah, he becomes because... more like sort of wolf-like, almost yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like a fox. Because he couldn't like in the well, he couldn't really see, but I think yeah, he's like this guy's trying to act and he can't see anything anywhere. Yeah. Although there's not much acting to be done really in the first one. Well, you're just, just walking around like a pair of chattering teeth. Yeah. yeah. But um, Doug Bradley, who obviously plays Pinhead, he was offered one of two roles. He could either be one of the people moving the bed into the house or Pinhead. And initially he was leaning towards being one of the removal men because he thought, you would see my face then, you know? I'm not going to be covered in makeup. Yeah. But um, he initially, well, obviously then he sort of chose Pinhead, thankfully, because he did a fucking great job. And I think Pinhead is really well written as well, especially in the first sort of two films. Like some of his lines are genuinely sort of threatening and effective. I wonder if that's part of the reason why Pinhead became such a sort of iconic character more so than anybody else, because everything that I've read mm. or watched in regards to making of inside information, yeah. they always wanted Julia to be the main villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm wondering if it's because Pinhead is such a... <laughs> His presence is very oh, yeah. Yeah. ominous, creepy, horrible. Yeah. yeah, the look is incredible. Yeah, and the lines he delivers are yeah, genuinely yeah. delivered with fucking menace. Menace, like, like yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, even though he's only on short the screen for a short amount of time, 
he is very he's what you remember the film for essentially present yeah yeah um I mean, even if he wasn't sort of all over the box art and stuff like that, he'd still, he'd still be what you'd remember from that film, essentially. I think that was kind of, especially for the later films anyway, it was definitely like a knock-on effect. They really, like when Hellraiser began to get momentum, it yeah. was people were referring to Doug Bradley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people coined the idea Pinhead. Yeah. He was originally just Cenobite. Cenobite, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a makeup, makeup effects department that gave him the name Pinhead. Right. And Chatter and Butterball. And female Cenobite, which is obviously highly original. <laughs> Not at all lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. So Kirsty obviously is a bit freaking the fuck out. Mm. And she manages to try and convince them that actually somebody has escaped from your clutches. Yeah. Somebody has used the box, gained nobody, access. Nobody escapes us. To extreme pleasures, unbeknownst to anybody else. And escaped. With that knowledge. Yeah. So they are understandably somewhat sceptic. Yeah. They do say if you trick us, you'll tear us all apart. So, and you, you can kind of imagine that they're telling the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd imagine <laughs> they could tear us all apart quite easily. Weird nether realm demons turning yeah. up and just, yeah, uh, I think he's serious. He means yeah, business. Yeah. So she says that, you know, yeah, no, I can show you Frank. And they were like, mm. yeah, you have to get him to admit yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. That he has escaped us, yeah. and he is Frank. Mm. So, Julia leaves the hospital, goes on a mission. Kirsty. Julia. <laughs> <laughs> it's after, like, cut, every time I say Julia, cut it out and just yeah. insert me. After we record Kirstie. this, I'll just record, I'll just record you saying Kirsty and just <laughs> check into the episode every now and again. Kirsty goes back home. <laughs> She's trying to save her dad, trying to save everybody by outing Julia as a weird bitch. And Frank as just a holy devil has come back from the labyrinth. Mm. Um, once she gets there, she comes bursting through the door. So, oh no, Dad, I have to tell you. I have to tell you some stuff. It's mm. like it's okay, baby. It's fine. Come to Daddy. Yeah. Ugh. At that which point, <laughs> it's so creepy. Especially as delivered by that guy. I mean, that actor did such a good job becoming like being Larry, then becoming Frank. Switching to yeah. So what you you're looking closely at Larry, you see that around the ears he's mm. got some sort of uh, bloody like mess. Him. Yeah, yeah. And when he delivers the line "Come to Daddy," the penny sort of drops, yeah. and Kirsty <laughs> realizes <Whatever. laughs> that Larry isn't Larry, but is Frank in Larry's skin. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Um, she freaks the fuck out. Julie grabs all of her. And then Andrew Robinson, the guy who plays Larry, then Frank, came up with the first of his two um, improvised lines in the film then. He, the line, so much of the cat and mouse shit. Like when she's running the stage, he says that, but that wasn't obviously in the script or anything like that. That's one of his two improvised lines, which is a good line. Yeah, I, I quite like that line. Yeah. Um, Julia grabs all the Kirsty. Frank's all like, yeah, fuck the cat and mouse shit, creeping up the stairs with his little flick knife. That's right, yeah. Goes to stab her, Kirsty moves out the way. <gasps> Frank stabs Julia. Yeah. And then begins to suck her dry. Suck the life right out of her. And you can see the look on her face, she's, you know, heartbroken. Yeah. This love that she thought was there that bloomed isn't there. Frank was just using her to get his body back. Yeah, Horny toad Frank. 
just a fucking chuck. He's gonna get body back, <laughs> fuck <laughs> Junior <laughs> off, and go and bump uglies with somebody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kirsty's run upstairs. Frank pursues. And this is where my memory gets a bit sketchy. They go back to the attic. Yes. And then, yeah, they go back to the attic. Pinhead and the Cenobites are there. And they say, we want the man who did this. And it's like Larry's skinless body. On the floor. <gasps> is he on the mattress? No, he can't be on the mattress. No? Because two is Julia on the other mattress, isn't it? Right, okay, yeah. So they take that mattress away. Yeah, yeah. Either way, Larry's dead on the floor, no skin on. Yeah. Cenobites are all like, we want the man who did this. Well, nice. <laughs> I got a pretty croaky voice in the moment because <laughs> of my cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Frank comes in, starts kicking off. Yeah. Cenobites turn up. Yeah, so essentially the Cenobites that are already there, they get Frank. They sort of chain him up and start essentially tearing them apart with these chains. Again, some great practical effects. Yeah, and then we have the second of Andrew Robinson's improvised lines. Possibly one of the greatest yeah. lines in the entire yeah. movie. Hello. We've got a man chained up, parts of his face pulled apart, the yeah. skin on the back of his face and his hands, and he's all chained up, and he's obviously in some great distress and pain. Yeah. We get a nice close-up camera working. In nice tight, followed by well, a line from our intro teasers. Right, I'm not gonna do the actual voice, man. I mean, like it didn't when you first recorded oh. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a perfect opportunity then to like lend Jesus your vocal, yeah. <laughs> Happy, <laughs> um, yeah. But the original line for that was meant to be something like fuck you or some generic sort of thing like that. But then he improvised the lines, Jesus wept, which was which worked fucking really well. And at which point he delivers. Jesus wet. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Check boy. You. Stretching his acting muscles. <laughs> got mad voice yeah. skills. And he gets torn apart. Boom. Ripped in fucking two. Blood guts everywhere. <clears throat> and then the Cenobites go after Kirsty. They want her. They're yep. having none of this, like, making a deal bollocks. No, she fucked it. up. She's coming in. She opened the box, man. She opened that box. So she's running, she shouldn't have played with her box, should have left her alone. <laughs> hey! Uh, <laughs> she's going through the house and various Cenobites are trying to get hold of her. Um, she sees Julia on the bed with the box, chains all in Julia as well. Mm, I'm not sure what yeah. that was about, what they make the jump, because surely she was drained dry downstairs. Yeah, maybe she crawled up, yeah. Yeah, crawled up, tried to get the box to get him, yeah. to get Frank or whatever, but yeah. She's on the bed of the box. Kirsty picks up the box, starts playing with the box, zapping Cenobites with energy from the box. Yeah. At the same time, these Cenobites... Cenobites? Cenobites. What the fuck are they called? Cenobites. <laughs> My mind just completely blank. <laughs> Zen? Ben? Yeah. Men? No. Cenobites. Cenobites. <laughs> these Cenobites. At each time, these Cenobites again zap. It's like having some massive impact on the house. The house is all rocking and a rolling, yeah. toing and a throwing. She eventually gets out of the house. The house is all on fire. Then the house isn't standing anymore, which was something I thought was really weird. Yeah, they pulled a bit of a pod to get some out. They did. They did. A, they pulled a bit of a. We hope they don't notice what's yeah. going on here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then who do we see coming across the the lot? 
But the homeless, the homeless dude. dude. Kirsty has thrown the box in the fire. She wants nothing to do with this box. She just wants fucking out of it. Done. Finished. I don't blame her, to be honest. No, neither would I. I mean, fucking hell. It's not often you get away from a Cenobite. Exactly. Twice. <laughs> homeless dude creeping across the lot towards the burning house. Stands in front of the fire next to the burning box. Reaches into the fire to pull the box out. Gets engulfed in flame. And then transforms into some flying yeah, giant skeletal dragon dragon man bat thing and flies off of the box go to closing scene see a man sat in a cafe yeah what's your pleasure is sir? that dragon that dude I don't know yeah? I have no idea I have no idea what the fuck that dragon is yeah. who that homeless guy is yeah, yeah. but it would tie in with later movies I think yeah. especially in three at the end of the second one, we see the box, the pillow going around, yeah, and the face is on there. Your players, yeah? and same with three when he buys the statue, yes, it's a bum, homeless looking, bearded yeah, guy yeah, yeah, in yeah. the studio, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. so obviously, there's this character is like a, there's an underlying theme here, he must be like a box dispenser or something, <laughs> the ruler of the box, yeah, um, but yeah, Hellraiser, there we are, quick run through, yeah. it, probably not as great as our original recording. Yeah, I mean, you're still pretty good, I think. Yeah, you you get you get an idea. Yeah. You you've all seen Hellraiser. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen Hellraiser, then go watch it. Yeah, and, and why you listen to this podcast for? Well, this is one of our <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> if you don't watch horror movies, then it's very bad. That's gonna come across really well in the audio. Yes, I liked Hellraiser. I really like Hellraiser. Yes. Uh, as an older, more mature person, I've definitely got more of an appreciation for Hellraiser than yeah. I did have when I watched it when I was a kid. Yeah. So if you watched it as a kid and you fucking hated it, try watching yeah. it again. Yeah, yeah. through a different lens. Um, it's always been one of my favourites, but I think for different reasons. Like I said earlier, like I just obsessed with that sort of whole, whole hell demon thing. And obviously Pinhead's performance as well. Um, I, th- I still fucking love Pinhead's performance, obviously, but I think the focus of the film shifted for me when I started looking into it a bit more and started sort of realising that Pinhead's not actually the villain. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Such a good film. Um, the soundtrack I want to give a particular mention to. The score. Yeah. Now, the score was originally meant to be done by an industrial band called Coil, and they did eventually release the tracks they recorded for the soundtrack um, in a separate album. But um, New World, the guys who funded the film, they brought in Christopher Young instead of Kyle because they said they wanted somebody who'd had experience with scoring for scenes, you know, like, um, and scoring for film in general. And fair play, he nailed it. Like, he did such a good fucking job, man. Yeah, if you haven't knew it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's only a bit more to say about it then. We'll just insert something or yeah. go listen to it or but I keep yeah. telling everybody to go listen to stuff. I feel like I'm yeah, a bit too. of a bossy boots. Oh, okay. Maybe. So, like yeah. when you when you text me earlier, just download that game. <laughs> yeah. So, download this game. Yeah, this game's free. Download it. A bit forceful, but okay. Fair enough. I still haven't done it, by the way. That's right. I don't feel so bad now. Sometimes I might be a bit bossy, but not all everybody listens to me, so yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. It's all good. I'm not that much of a dick. 
Yes, so next episode coming to you soon, we will be discussing Hellraiser 2 or Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Yeah. Or followed by Hell on Earth Hellraiser 3. Uh, If you haven't seen any of those movies and you would like to watch them beforehand, then feel free to do so. Yeah, you'll have about a week before the next one goes up, maybe two. Then you've got time to like criticise us on our lack of knowledge and yeah. lack of preparation yeah. and well I'm particularly unprepared for the next I watched Hellraiser 2 last night and I didn't get a chance to watch Hellraiser 3 I haven't seen Hellraiser 3 in years I've got a lot of love for it like a lot of nostalgia love but... <laughs> which means I watched it yesterday so yeah. all the pressure is on me to exactly. remind him of what yeah. goes on I may like you know skip through it a bit read, <laughs> read the Wikipedia plot or something like that now. give me an idea yeah excellent well there we are thank you for listening thank you very much Insert fluffier. <laughs> I think we're supposed to insert fluffier. Yeah, we're supposed to do that before we close out the episode. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Social media. We do use some of it, and you can find us on some of it. For example, we use Instagram and Twitter. Feel free to follow us at Groovy Ghoulies Podcast on Instagram, or alternatively, find us at Ghoulies Podcast on Twitter. Or if you use Facebook, just search for Groovy Ghoulies Podcast. I guess. And there's a page there with not much information on it, but we're working on that. Yeah, we're working on that. I, I, I can do that anyway. I mean, it doesn't really matter where I insert the fucking the bumper. I'm just going to stop recording. Bye! <laughs>